and welcome to episode number 188 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brad Allen, Stephen Andrus. We run through every single game on the NFL slate. If you want to follow Brad on the Twitter machine, you should, at Brad Allen NFL. If you want to follow Stephen, at Stephen Andrus 1. I am Matt Brown M2. And guys, listen, so far, I think so good on the NFL season. I mean, look, we've taken some some lumps here and there, but, uh, you know, for the most part, I think we've read a lot of this stuff pretty well outside of the Chiefs. Brad and I were talking about this right before we started recording here. And, and, and Brad, I think that they fooled me and you specifically a couple of different times so far this season. They have now fallen outside of my top 10 in the power rankings that I have here. I am no longer going to be fooled by a team that at least at the beginning was only getting it uh, at least at the beginning was only fooling us with the putrid defense, but now on the offensive side of the ball, can't figure out what's going on there either. So for the time being, I think on this chiefs team, I might just uh, sit on the sidelines and see if they can correct this. And if not, then uh, you know, look, there's, there's a lot of games every week. I don't have to bet on the chiefs if I don't want to. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I do think it's, it's them. The bad defense is forcing Mahomes to to press, isn't it? Like he's trying to make stuff happen where he's not letting it unfold. And then the way defenses are playing them is is you know too deep. Either you can try and run the ball, which they can't seem to do, or well, you know you can try and try and complete twelve passes in a row. And if you're down twenty nothing, then um, yeah. you know he's not, he doesn't have the patience for it at the minute, and um, it's it's all falling apart. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I do. I still believe they'll turn it around, but when uh, I, I don't know. Steven, uh stat came out this week through the first seven weeks of the season. And I'm not going to say that they, the air quotes, have figured out Mahomes and Andy Reid or anything, but teams are blitzing Patrick Mahomes at half the rate that they have in the last three seasons. And they have figured out that if you give him the opportunity to throw to fewer, at, throw at fewer defenders, He's really good at that. And if you have to make him, you know, if you have to make that offensive line hold up and you have to and you have a full complement of defenders out there that, uh, you know, listen, I've you and I had a, a debate about this offline. Uh, Tyreek Hill, in my opinion, is not a true alpha number one wide receiver. And you at that point, you have nothing at the wide receiver position outside of Tyreek Hill. And yeah, you do have Travis Kelsey, but you know, Travis Kelsey has a certain role. He is not a guy that is going to get downfield. He's not a guy that's going to stretch the field. He's not a guy that's going to do some of this other stuff that we look at these other teams that have multiple weapons and Patrick Mahomes really doesn't, you know, and then that's not on him. That's not his fault. It's just the way that they've constructed this team might not even be the best right now. And with this change in the way that they're defending him and this team and Andy Reid's play calling and all of this piled together with a defense that isn't very good. I honestly and truly believe this team, this chief's team is probably the 11th or 12th best team in the NFL right now. Yeah. I picked a, a terrible time to die on the Tyreek Hill Hill, <laughs> because uh, when I was defending him, he proceeded to uh, have balls go through his hands for interceptions on back to back weeks. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, we had talked about how effective the Chiefs were still and how elite they were in moving the ball. But this is still the game of football and it is a horrible combination to have a historically bad defense coupled with an offense that is 
near the NFL lead in turning the ball over. So you can't do that in today's. In fact, they are number one in the league in giveaways by five over the Texans. They have 17 turnovers. The Texans are the next closest team with 12, as are the Jaguars and the New York Jets. Not exactly great company to be with, with your Pat, if you're Patrick Mahomes. And the last thing I'll note is, if you have been pondering buying low on some Chiefs futures, uh, I would hesitate against that because mm-hmm. if you look at their remaining schedule, it is daunting. And if they do not win the division, which is looking like an uphill climb at this point, you are looking at a team that's going to have to play on the road back-to-back weeks to end the season, three of their final four weeks, which means they would then have to go on the road as a wild card to make a run in the playoffs. That's a really tough combination. That's that's then potentially, you know, three out of four, six out of seven consecutive weeks on the road to try and get back to the Super Bowl. That's brutal. That is also if they even make the playoffs in the first place. Oh, that is a hot take. Maybe it's not even a hot take at this point. All right, let's kick things off here in week eight. Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, 13 and a half point favorites across the board. As we sit right now, 49 and a half is your total. Bills coming off of a bye. Miami Dolphins coming off of a heartbreaking loss and also coming off of a week in which the trade rumors were hot and heavy about what is going on with Deshaun Watson. And of course they have to ask to attack of what he thinks about that. He says he feels not wanted. So lots of problems going on there in Miami, Brad, I'll start with you on this one. When we take a look here, um, look, it is, it is a team that has, has had a couple of different games they could have won that didn't go didn't go their way. Not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely a much better team when Tua Tagovailoa is under center than when Jacoby Brissett is under center. At least Tua last couple last two weeks actually has been graded out as one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league according to Pro Football Focus. So it's not really his fault. It's just you know pretty bad defense and some of these guys not making timely plays and things like that. But uh, two touchdown dogs here on the road, and then all these rumors going around, all this stuff circling. You got to think it's got to be messing with Tua's head as well, right? Yeah. Well, he didn't say he did feel wanted. He said, "I don't not feel wanted," right? Which you know is uh, is is player speak for no, I don't feel wanted. Obviously. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned his metrics there. You know, yeah. sort of the top top 10 graded passer the last couple of weeks, but it's been against the Falcons um, and then the week before that against the Jags. Um, And he's obviously got a very different kettle of fish coming to town here. Um, You know, best defense in the NFL by DVOA. Um, You know, I still, I still think they're probably a touch overrated as, as Tennessee showed us, but um, like the, you know, they're, they're still got, they've still got good pass rushes and this is still an awful Dolphins offensive line. Um, So, you know, I, I, I don't think we see two as a good recent run continue, and you, you can expect more questions to swirl. Um, but yeah, this wasn't a game I had a bet on. There's, there's a huge rest edge for the Bills, obviously off the bye. While the Dolphins, London, or two weeks ago, no bye, straight back game last week. So um, you know that they could wear down in the second half. Perhaps that might be one way to look at it. 
So, Stephen, we look at this Buffalo defense again. I think we'll, when this is all said and done at the end of the year, we're not going to have these type of metrics for them. But we do have them number one overall DVOA right now. We do have them number two overall by Pro Football Focus. We do have them number one in yards per play allowed, yards per pass allowed, early down EPA allowed. So, I mean, there are a lot of metrics backing up this Buffalo defense is for real, which is probably built into this number that we have as, as nearly two touchdown favorites at home over the Dolphins. That being said, it, one, do you believe into what we're seeing so far from this defense? And two, even if they are this good, are they two touchdown favorites good against a team like the the Dolphins? I don't have a strong opinion on the spread for this game, but I will just note that it touched 14 and quickly went back to 13 and a half. So for what that's worth, the midweek line movement has showed that um, it's it's rejecting 14. It's saying that's too much. Um, but I, I do think the Bills are one of the two best teams in the NFL. I mean, I think they are right there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked to Christian Cipollini from BetMGM earlier this week, and, and he agreed. They have them right there, neck and neck, as uh, number one and two, really a 1A and 1B in their power ratings at this point in the season. I do think that we saw some regression with their defense against the Tennessee Titans, but you know we've seen that with pretty much every team this year, right? Except the Arizona Cardinals. This is the NFL. The teams are going to have a bad week here and there. So, and and frankly, they uh, they were probably a quarterback sneak away from winning that game against Tennessee, where he slipped on the turf. So. All that being said, I think the Bills are properly rated. This is a a huge spread that I don't have a strong opinion on, so it's a pass for me this week. Yeah, I think for me, the only thing I would be looking at um, from a player prop standpoint, whenever those things ended up getting fully um, when they end up getting fully posted and whatnot, if you do believe that this is going to be a complete complete ass kicking and just a, a total whitewash here. Um, getting maybe the over carries on a Zach Moss, um, him just kind of, you know, carrying the ball more than he typically would because it is, you know, uh, an ass kicking. And so he's going to get more carries down the stretch. I'd be looking at something like that and maybe even an over on uh, either receptions or yardage from one of the Dolphins wide receivers as well. Just garbage time stuff mounts up pretty easily. And if this is going to be a, a big time ass kicking, then pretty easy to get to like an over three and a half receptions for a waddle or something like that and over 49 and a half yards for a waddle whatever it might be whatever ends up getting posted for this uh something i would keep my eye on there for this game as well but as far as the straight side or the total i think everything is pretty appropriate for dolphins and bills Panthers at the Falcons. We have a bet in this one. Uh, Brad is uh, interested in one of the sides. Steven, um, I'm looking here at a Panthers team that decided to bench Sam Darnold this past week. P.J. Tucker, had he gone in? I mean, P.J. Tucker. Oh, boy. The basketball is on my mind uh, going, yeah. going on here. Um, if, yeah. if the, the if XFL the, disrespect will not be tolerated on this podcast, sir. Listen, P.J. PJ Tucker had a big game last night is the thing. P.J. Tucker had two games in a row where he scored nothing and then last night scored 15 points out of nowhere where yeah. I'm just kind of like P.J. I got P.J. Tucker uh, hey, on the Walker, baby. Let's PJ go. Walker. Um, <laughs> PJ Walker comes in. He 
doesn't do any better, so doesn't give them out to keep Sam Darnold benched, and so they immediately have to say Sam Darnold's our quarterback, so he will be starting for the Panthers as three-point road underdogs to the Atlanta Falcons, who got Kyle Pitts involved in a massive way last week to the tune of 167 yards receiving for him, and it was just a huge, huge day for the rookie Ridley back in the lineup. So it is, uh, you know, a Falcons team that's as good as maybe they were going to be anytime, uh, anytime recently. So, Stephen, I'll start with you because Brad's the one that's actually got a a play on this one. What's your thoughts here, Panthers and Falcons? I do think that the uh, the line is a bit of an overreaction, but um, I'm <laughs> it's hard for me to pull the trigger on Sam Darnold uh, bouncing back. I think this is the buy low spot for the Carolina Panthers. It just, it's going to take faith that Sam Darnold figures it out and, and, and comes back to what we saw earlier in the year because the Falcons defense is still very beatable. And then on the other side, I think the Falcons offensive line is vulnerable in this game against a Panthers pass rush that was pretty strong. I mean, Brad pointed this out last week. He wasn't wrong, right? I mean, the, the huge mismatch in that game against the Giants was the Panthers' pass rush, and it was very effective against Daniel Jones. It was just Sam Darnold was a train wreck. So um, it, it's Panthers are nothing for me in this game. Brad, uh, you got the, uh, the look here at the Panthers, and, you know, you take a look. Panthers offense has been has been brutal. 30th overall DVOA, 31st overall pro football focus and basically every single adjusted met uh, every single advanced metric that we could look at. They are in the bottom, let's call it eight in the league, most likely in the bottom five of the league. But fortunately, a remedy for that is getting the Falcons defense, which is also in the defensive metric side of the ball, is in the bottom two, three, four in the league and pretty much every single thing that we look at and everything that we consider important. So in the battle of uh, weaknesses, you seem to be leaning towards the uh, Panthers offense winning out here. Yeah, so I think I think there's two things. One is, you know, it is the little... The kind of the buy low on the Panthers, like the, the offense is obviously bad, but they went mm. two for fifteen on third down last week, right? Like that's no no one's going to be that bad, mm. you know, three three weeks in a row kind of mm. thing. Um, so we've got to expect some improvement. And then, as, as Stephen said, the defense is still very good, right? That that game was five three at the half, and then you know because because the Panthers just kept going three and out, that they got worn down late, um, and the Giants started scoring points, but. As I say, I don't think we can expect them to be two out of 15 bad again, especially against this 30th ranked um, defensive DOA team in the Falcons. Um, the other thing I would say, home field in division is is probably a point, maybe even less for this Falcons team. So we've got to say they're clearly better uh, than the Panthers. And again, we're buying low on the Panthers. We're we're also trying to sell high on these Falcons. Um, you know, people are saying, "Oh, they're a they're a play away from a four game win streak." Well, they, they've lost to the, the football team. They've they've beaten the Jets in London by by a score. They've beaten the Giants by three points, um, and they actually lost the stats in that game. And then last week they beat the Dolphins, another terrible team. I mean, that's four terrible teams. Um, and they they lost the stats in that game as well. They had a um, they had a 44% success rate, Dolphins 53%, Falcons 34% first down rate, Dolphins 38%. So they, they probably shouldn't have won that game against the Dolphins, but Tua was like chest passing interceptions. Um, 
So to me, I, I think you've you've got two bad teams, but to me, this this game should be lined at maybe minus one and a half, minus two for the Falcons, um, and I think getting the getting the the full three is quite valuable. Yeah, I kind of look at this game as a coin flip as far as what I think of these two teams. I don't think that these teams there's a real discernible difference in what you're putting on the field and with the lack of home field advantage in the NFL this year and certainly the lack of home field advantage in Atlanta. Um, you know, if you're going to give me a full field goal with one of the two teams that are going to be on the field, I'm probably going to take the three points pretty much every single time. Cause again, if I don't see any discernible difference at all between the teams, then give me the field goal. I'm going to take it. You're probably sitting there going, well, Matt, you just talked about uh, Tua having to deal with the rumors of Deshaun Watson. Well, what about Sam Darnold? And yes, there was all of that going on as well. That being said, Sam Darnold is used, is used to not being wanted. So I'm not really worried about him and his feelings and all of that. The fans have hated him in New Jersey. They ship him out of town, all this stuff. Like, I'm not really worried about that. I think he's had to deal with all that for a few years now. So um, him not being wanted or him being, you know, uh, the rumors of trades and things like that. I, I'm not too worried about Sam Darnold. He's been there, done that. And uh, that that is just something that he's had to deal with since he's been in the league. So uh, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you, Brad. If you're going to give me a field goal, in a game where I think the teams are pretty much the same, then I'll take the field goal pretty much every single time. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns, three and a half point home favorites, a very low 42 total by today's NFL standards in this one. Wish we had more clarity to be able to give you as we do this preview. Um, this is going to come, this is going to become a lot more clear throughout the course of the week. So you're going to really need to keep uh, in touch with all the injury news and all the stuff that's going on there. Baker Mayfield could play in this game. It might not be for sure Case Keenum in this game. The wide receiver situation for the Browns is, you know, could could Odell go? Could Jarvis Landry go? Et cetera, et cetera. It looks like Jarvis Landry is going to go. He said in the press conference afterwards that he, you know, he wasn't that bad on him. You did get Jack Conklin back at practice on Wednesday for this Browns team. That is also good for this team. So there are there are some signs pointing in the right direction, but there's going to need to be you know a lot more clarity here on uh, on who's going to be going before I can really get a strong opinion. That said, Brad, I'm going to start with you here. If you're giving me th- if, if if you're if you're telling me that it's going to be a semi-healthy Browns team. And if this thing somehow ticks back down to just the three, and I don't have to pay the three and a hook, I think this Browns team at 85%-ish capacity is still a much better team than this Steelers team is right now. Am I off base here? What do you think about this one? No, completely agree. Um, like, is is Case Keenum is he a worse quarterback than Roethlisberger right now? I, I, I don't think that's a slam dunk. And then probably every right, pretty much every mm-hmm. other part of the team is is in the is in the Browns' favor. Like offensive line far superior, defensive line probably equals equals. Um, but I, I think the Browns are stronger everywhere now. There's two. I would say the thing I'm most sure about is that the Steelers are not moving the football here. Um, 30th pass block win rate going up against Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett second in pass rush win rate and obviously you've got Roethlisberger back there immobile um, and I, I just I think that's going to be a, a bit of a bloodbath so it's so it came down to do you want to just go under 42 and a half which is what I ended up doing or do you want the Browns 
Now, I would also take mm. Browns minus three if it got there um, because it does sound like they're going to have those tackles back. Um, and I think they can pretty, I would say they can probably mm. run the ball on anyone with a, with a healthy offensive line. Um, and then that obviously that gets the play action game going, that gets everything going. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's under 42 and a half for me or, or Browns minus three, pick your poison. Steven, you were able to find a Browns minus three. And I, I, I know that it was there early, early, early on in the week. I just wasn't able mm-hmm. to pull the trigger quick enough to be able to get there. But you were able to to find a Browns minus three and you went ahead and stuck that in the account. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Uh, based on closing lines, if you guys remember, the Browns were minus three against Arizona a couple of weeks ago, which kind of makes a minus three against the Steelers at home pretty laughable, in my opinion. So, I mean, the Browns are healthier now. I think I was comfortable with the way that these health reports are trending. Nick Chubb is back at practice as well, which isn't huge on the line, but it is important to the efficiency of their run game in this offense. And maybe even more importantly, I think that their offensive line is coming in. You mentioned Conklin, Wills, and Treader were also back at practice and, and practicing on Wednesday. So if you look at this, the, what's the argument for backing the Steelers in this game? And, and the narrative is, well, the, the Pittsburgh's improved in their past two games. Well, in those two games, the offense was still 16th and 21st in EPA and success rate in those two weeks. They were still 17th and 22nd in drop back EPA and success rate. And they were 19th in, in, in success rate running the ball. So this is still a mediocre offense. And their defense in those two wins were 16th and 25th in EPA and success rate. They were 29th and 25th in rush D EPA and success rate. And we know the Browns mall people running the ball. They are first and fourth on the year in rushing EPA and success rate. So that is an enormous mismatch running the ball for the Browns in this matchup. I was happy to lay the three. And frankly, I don't really care which quarterback starts for the Cleveland Browns in this game. Yeah, I I don't really either. I mean, I don't know if. You know, a healthy Case Keenum isn't better than an injured Baker Mayfield even at this point, too. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, to me, I don't think that there's that big of a difference at all. Uh, if Yeah, if I can find a flat three, this is going to be in the account as well for me on the Browns. If you look at, at what Pittsburgh has, uh, another thing, Juju Smith-Schuster gone, no longer there. So that little safety blanket running those those type of routes that really fit Ben Roethlisberger's game at this point uh, is no longer there. So I think that's a bigger issue than people are really making of that as well, because now you have a, a yeah, you've got Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson who aren't really uh, aren't, aren't really running the type of routes that fit Ben Roethlisberger's arm strength and, and everything else that goes on with this team these days and yeah I understand Pittsburgh defense is not the worst in the world certainly an upper half unit at this point I don't think is the super elite unit that we thought it might be whenever we entered the season so far and I think that the Browns will be able to move the ball and especially I mean this is coming from a couple of the beat writers I was watching yesterday saying that you know this is the first time this offensive line has practiced together in a very very long time and for a team that relies as heavily as it does on this on the offensive line being strong given the quarterback time mauling guys in the run game things like that getting that full offensive line back out there is pretty massive and I think that that's a winning offensive line over what we're what they're going to be up against with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers so yes I am I I will be on the uh, Browns at three if I can find me a three and if not maybe a smaller play on the three and a half if I can't get the flat three out there 
Bengals on the road at the Jets. Here's a here's a game for you. Ten and a half point favorites are the Bengals on the road at the Jets. A total of 42 and a half or 43. Steven, we know this how this is going to play out. I mean, listen, the Jets being the Jets had a horrible, horrible, horrible horrible roster construction to where they have another rookie behind their rookie quarterback. I mean, it's just didn't even have a veteran presence behind him to mentor him. Zach Wilson was dead on arrival, essentially there for the jets. And he goes down with injury. They're going with, what is it? Mike white is this is what, who's going to be playing quarterback for, for the uh, for the Jets this week, it jumped. This line was sitting kind of in that eight and a half, nine range. It instantly jumps up to ten and a half in favor of the Bengals. I think it's a proper move. This is a type of game that a team like the Bengals typically just beats up on their opponent when you just have a far superior offense to a really bad defense, and then now you're going to get a backup quarterback. Um, that said, I didn't. I'm, I don't think I'm going to lay the ten and a half. It might be a contest play for me. On the Bengals, I think if you are in survivor pools out there, I think that this is a pretty solid survivor play as well, though there is future value in the Bengals if you wanted to hold on to them. But um, maybe even getting creative in some some, uh, you know, uh, weird teaser legs or something, you know, certainly not the the typical teaser legs, but I'll have something on the Bengals this week. I just can't decide what. Yeah, overall, by the way, it's just a weird week for teasers. I hit every yeah. teaser last week and I just didn't see any this week. And I saw a lot of spreads that I liked. It's just, you know, that's how it is. You have to adapt with what the market is is giving you each and every week. And this was a look ahead line that had the Bengals as four point favorites. They lose Zach Wilson. Now they're ten and a half point favorites. Now we could make the argument that that's an overreaction considering how bad Zach Wilson is. But now you have to try and handicap. Well, what exactly is this offense with a complete unknown and bottom of the barrel NFL quarterback? who just took his first snaps in the NFL last week. And I think that's an impossibly hard thing to handicap. So um, you can try and make the argument and and say that the line move was too much and too many points, but I can't get to the point where I want to plug my nose and, and bet the New York Jets to cover 10 and a half because the Bengals have looked like a very solid all-around football team that can beat bad teams by a decent amount of points here. So just too hard for me to handicap cap with how bad the Jets are and I just prefer not to to plug my nose with a complete unknown at quarterback and and likely a bad quarterback. Brad, one of the things we've seen so far this year, I mean it played out again last week, you know, uh, these bad teams, the the haves and the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots even from a point spread standpoint is 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 massive. We've yet to have a seven and a half point favorite or or greater win outright so far in this NFL season. So we've gotten through seven weeks, and any team that's been a big dog has not won outright a single time. So we haven't had one of these type big type upsets. Now you've got uh, Mike White stepping in as quarterback. Joe Flacco looks like he's gonna be inactive. So I don't even know who the hell their 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 backup to Ma- Michael to Mike White is even gonna be for for the Jets. Um, they and might you need just have whoever. A, it is yeah i mean seriously and 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 you know there's just such such an a massive massive 
uh, talent gap between the offense that Cincinnati is going to put out there and the defense that the Jets are going to put out there. And I know people see these big double digit numbers and, and just think like, ah, that's, you know, that's not for me. I don't, I don't play those, but you know, the, the Cardinals covered last week as 18 and a half point favorites. Like they're the haves and the have nots is, is, is pretty big in the NFL this season. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a Cincinnati or pass for me. That being said, like I, like I said, it's, it's not in the account as we record this right now. No, and it was interesting that Cardinals game. They were bet up from sixteen and a half to like twenty and a half at kick, and obviously they covered every number. But I don't yeah. think that's just pub- I don't think that's just public money moving an NFL spread three and a half points or whatever. You know, even if they're not valuable points, I think that's professional money. So. You know, it shows you that, that, as you say, is the haves and the have-nots, and just blindly backing these big dogs is is not profitable. I mean, I'm not involved in this game. I, I would say this is kind of your your classic letdown spot, isn't it? Right? They've they've just beaten the the big brother in the AFC North as as six point underdogs, um, and now they turn around and be road favourites over the lowly Jets. You, you could conceivably have a flat spot for the Bengals, but also conceivably they could have three players open within two seconds on every single snap of the ball because who who's covering any of those three three receivers so um yeah i don't know i, I didn't know what to do with that I stayed away yeah and unless the jets fundamentally try to do something differently on the defensive side of the ball i mean they're one of the top 12 teams in the league in blitz rate and if uh i'm kind of giving it away here guys but do you know who the number one quarterback in the nfl is against the blitz so far through the first seven weeks let me guess joe burrow yes yes (laughs) it is it's joe burrow so so unless they do something fundamentally different on the defensive side of the ball then they're going to play right into what the Bengals have doing been doing very well so far um and and look look i'm a believer if you've been listening to the podcast for the last three weeks you understand i've been on the cincinnati train i believe in this defense i believe in this offense and uh Um, This is the type of game typically where a team like Cincinnati goes out and just curb stomps the the opponent here. And so, like I said, I'll I'll figure out some creative ways to get involved. Once the player prop market hits, there probably will be something along there as well that might kind of tickle my fancy from a Cincinnati standpoint, because I'm not positive unless you put just an absurd number on yardage for Jamar Chase, that there isn't a number that I might look <laughs> at seriously in, in this game for an over on him. I mean, unless they pop like a like a 90 and a half or something on him or whatever. But I mean, if they put something out in the 60s or 70s again, I, I don't know if there's a number that I wouldn't play the over with. And I think this is a, a defense that not only does he have a bunch of success against from just a volume standpoint, but also, I mean, it, it, it could take one play for him to get to to one of these numbers on the player prop side of things. So certainly something I'll be looking at there as well. Matt, this is also the last week I think you're going to be able to get Jamar Chase at plus money to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I understand the value has been sucked out of that market, but I still think if you are telling me that he's got a 50% implied probability at this point to win the award, I'm still taking Chase over the field with how poor the rookie quarterback play has been. He is putting up better numbers than Odell Beckham did, who is the only receiver to win this award since 2010. The conditions are ripe for him to win this. And I think any bet against Chase at this point to win rookie of the year is just betting on him to get injured. And the only other guy I could possibly come up with a narrative to maybe steal this from him if unless he gets injured 
would be Kyle Pitts, who could break a bunch of rookie tight end records, but he's not on a winning team. And that that factors into this as well. So Jamar Chase at plus money this week, I still think is a good bet, even though the number was much better a few weeks ago. Now that we have all of this data and all of this information, he's crushing. He's doing unprecedented things. He's second in the entire NFL in receiving yards. It's going to be yeah. really hard for him to not win it at this point. Yeah. People point to the Justin Jefferson um, season last year and, you're, and they scream, well, he didn't win it. And, and he had a, an unbelievable rookie season for a wide receiver. And it, all that is true. But there was also this guy named Justin Herbert who it, who doesn't exist this year in that market. They want to give it to a quarterback. That's what we're saying. They want yeah, to give it to a quarterback. There's just not a quarterback. There's just not a quarterback that stepped up and, and been able to to take the reins with all of that. And so, yes, it's a different scenario this year than it has been than it was last year with what was going on. And also, I might add. With all those yards that Justin Jefferson put up last year, he wasn't scoring touchdowns. And Jamar Chase is scoring touchdowns at a ridiculous rate right now. Now, there will be some regression set in for that, but he will smash the number of touchdowns that Justin Jefferson scored last year as well. So that can also factor into all this. And you guys didn't laugh at me. I think you only smirked when I said, if you want to get in on the Joe Burrow MVP train, you better get in on it now. It was sitting at 100 to 1. 35 to 1 as we record this right now. So dropped from 100 to 1 to 35 to 1 in that market. Um, so I had me a little, I got me a little ticket tucked away. We'll see what happens with that one as we get going. At the very least, I got way the good of the number. Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. This is a very interesting spread sitting right now at one and a half or two in favor of the Indianapolis Colts. This thing has flipped twice. It has flipped to the Titans and now it has flipped back to the Colts to uh, 50 and a half to 51 is your total in this one. Steven, I'll start with you because I know you have a play on this one. You like not the side that I would have expected. You like the Indianapolis Colts and you're just going to play them on the money line. You're not even going to take, you're not even going to, you didn't even take the point when it was available to you. Yeah, I, I got them at plus 105 on the money line earlier this week. You're, it's That's gone now. I would still bet this up to minus one and a half on the spread. This is also a best bet this week from our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich. You can see his best bets every week at thelines.com. You noted the line movement and listen, the Titans have been great the past two weeks. They have monster wins over their past two games. But what do the advanced analytics tell us in those wins against the Bills and the Chiefs? How did they do it? They got the passing game going. They were fifth in drop back EPA. They were first in drop back success rate in those two games. For the season, though, this is a 13th ranked team in weighted DVOA against an indie defense that is ranked 11th. They'll need to have the passing game going again, I think, to win and beat the Colts twice now in the first half of the season because the Colts are number one and number two in rush D EPA and success rate. They are fantastic against the run and they did not have quitty pay Eli notes in the first matchup between these two teams, who is the number five rated run stopper by PFF. So Even though they got those two monster wins, there were still some warning signs for me for the Titans defense. They were still 16th in EPA and 21st in success rate in those two wins. And for the season, this is the number 22 weighted DVOA defense against the number 15 weighted DVOA Colts offense. So I just think this is a spot where the Indy offense has been steadily improving They had the ninth fewest expected points 
per play in its first three games, and now they are number five in their last four games, and actually number two if you remove the monsoon game that they just had to play in. So they have figured it out. Carson Wentz has figured it out, minus a couple of monsoon game slips of the ball out of his hand and bad decisions. But in normal situations, this game in a dome on the fast turf, I think there is a lot to like here about this Colts improving team. And I was happy to get plus money on them. Uh, I think if anything, this game should be a pick 'em. And we have another uh, side here for the Colts backing is Brad. Brad, what do you got on the Colts in this one? Um, yeah, well, so Carson Wentz, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks on this podcast now, where obviously he missed all of training camp. Um, mm. You know, he, he was new to the team and they started out terribly. He, they, then he had two sprained ankles and he was bad. Um, but in the last month or so, um, they've been a top ten offense by by EPA by success rate. He's in he's in top ten of PFF grade. Um, he looks to have cleaned his mechanics up. If like you know if you, if you read about what he's doing there, um, and you know as I say, I buy it because I I think he was he was hamstrung at the start of the season and now he's uh, now he's coming into his own. Um, and so on the other side of that, we've still got all the problems that I that I loved the Chief last week on this Titans defense, right? They're, they're still 22nd in defensive DVOA despite giving up three points to the Chiefs. They're, they're still banged up at corner. Um, and you can be sure that Frank Reich, unlike Andy Reid, who was like early down runs, like Frank Reich will attack this weakness at corner. Um, it'll be play action, it'll be RPOs, and it'll be to, to Pittman. Looks like T.Y. Hilton has a chance to play. Last I checked. Um, so I, I think the Colts... Are playing. They're playing like a top ten offense, and they're going up uh, against the bottom ten defense. Um, and so I like them to go over their team total, um, which is pinging all over the place with this with this line move. Um, but you know, you probably get around twenty six and a half. Um, and I, I thought that was a, a nice total. Yeah, twenty six and a half on the Colts team total is where we're sitting right now. I, it looks like he might, but Ty Hilton might be tracking not to play. Didn't didn't practice on Wednesday and wasn't seen out there doing much, and so uh, could be one of those situations. That said, it does look like Braden Smith, their guard, uh, he got back out on a Wednesday, which is a uh, you know odd for a guy that has missed as long as he had, which typically lends to that he's trying to get back out there for the week for him to be out there on a Wednesday. So their offensive guard and Braden Smith is going to be back out there on the Tennessee side of things. This is one of those that, I mean, listen, if you followed the career of Julio Jones over the last three or four years, you know how this goes and he gets some sort of soft tissue injury and you just kind of have to deal with that. And last week he ends up leaving the game yet again, hamstring injury, not practicing on Wednesday, might try and give it a go. Uh, Steven, you're, you're a big fantasy player. I call it the Julio go which is like he goes and then leaves the game every single time yeah. Like, like yeah he's gonna go but he goes and then he leaves the game every single time so it's like you can't really it, Julio being a go is not really like a go for just about any other player on the face of the planet so um it, it again he is he has said he is trying to get out there this week he probably will try and he probably will try and he'll go run 11 routes and then he'll end up back on the sideline again uh one of the good things for the titans this week that being said after what was looked like a career ending horrible like one of the worst things i've ever seen happen on a football field uh taylor lewan is practicing in full and is likely to be back out there 
for the Titans this week, um, which is pretty crazy. I thought that that was going to be a, a horrible, horrible injury on him. And that ended up not being the case. So he's back out there practicing for this team. I'm on the opposite side with the, of you guys. Um, I didn't see anything from Indianapolis uh, any time soon that leads me to believe that this team is any good still. Um, but look, they were at one point last week, they had more pass interference yards than they actually had passing yards in the game. Um, you can blame it on the wind and stuff if you want to, but they didn't really scheme anything either to scheme any to scheme people open i think frank reich is kind of a more of a a paper genius than he is an actual genius when it comes to football i think we're way too quick to crown a lot of these guys uh looking at you kyle shanahan looking at you sean mcveigh with uh with, with these guys being you know so great at what they do and then you know it's it's uh they had one good season is typically a lot of the times what what happens with a lot of these people. And on the Tennessee side of the ball, I do understand that the Colts have been really good against the run. But there have been a lot of teams that have been really good against the run that for whatever reason, when Derrick Henry rolls into town, it's just a completely different story. The guy has been able to get it done. And the other thing that I really like about Tennessee is they're running a whole bunch more pa- uh, play action passes right now, which is, as we know, you don't have to establish the run, establish the run in air quotes. I'm being facetious. There's no such thing as establishing the run, but you don't have to establish the run in order to use play action passes, which is something that they were not doing in Tennessee really all last year for the majority of the season. And then these last three weeks, they've decided, oh, hell, look at this concept that everyone's been talking about for the last three years. Why don't we do that as well? And they've been utilizing much more play action passes. And that has been working out really, really good for this team as well. Um, I had a plus, uh, I have a plus one and a half. I have a plus uh, seven and a half as well. This was the team that I had paired up with uh, in a teaser leg from Thursday night. You're probably listening or watching this after Thursday night football has already happened. So I might already have lost this bet. I don't know, but I paired <laughs> it with, uh, I paired it with the Cardinals uh, in, in that one. So I have this in a teaser leg with the Cardinals this week for, uh, for Tennessee being teased up to, to seven and a half. I, I'm still not a believer long-term and even short-term here in this Colts team. And um, they're going to have to prove it to me. And this will be a good prove it spot. So I could be proven wrong this week. If the, if the Colts show up and beat the hell out of the Titans, Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit lions. The Eagles are three and a half point road favorites. Yes, you heard that correct. The Eagles are three and a half point road favorites in a football game here in week eight of the 2021 season. 48 is your total against the Lions. Um, Brad, listen, Lions haven't won a game yet. They've been they've been froggy, though. You know, like they've 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 been kind of scrappy They They've I love what Dan Campbell did. I can't believe I'm saying I love what Dan Campbell did last week. But listen, if you're bad, why the hell not onside kick and fake punt and do all the shit you can do to try to win a game when you know you're bad? I mean, like you're bad, you're worse than your opponent. So go out and try and try and win the game. Um, The Eagles have been one of the more baffling teams for me, I think, to handicap. Maybe outside of the Chiefs, I think the Eagles are probably the team that are most difficult for me to handicap. There are things that they do well that leads you to believe that it should lead to some sort of success. Like their pass block win rate is eighth overall in the league. Their run block win rate is second overall in the league. And that translates to 
the 21st overall offense in the NFL, according to DVOA. So there's, I don't know. I can't really get a a grasp on all this. I want to lean towards the Lions getting more than a field goal against this Eagles team. But then I think, I think something's grabbing a hold of me to keep, keep me from doing it. But what, what do you see here? Eagles and Lions? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. Like they've got talent. They've got on on the Eagles. They've got so much talent, right? They're, as you said, they're, they're winning on both lines of scrimmage. But it's like whatever they're doing with it behind it is is abysmal, right? So I mean, they've been bet every week. Like the the market sees these sees like how good they are in right. the trenches, and like you know they were bet. They, they were, I think they went off minus one in some places last week from plus three or plus three and a half. They were bet. They were bet against the Cowboys. They were bet against Tampa. Like. They take money every week and they just keep putting up terrible numbers. Like defensively, um, yeah, but I was reading into them quite a lot. And there's this it's the most it's the most mundane scheme that PFF tracks is in. They don't disguise what they're gonna do. They line up four, they sit in cover two zone, and the safeties and linebackers are bad and they, they just get shredded, right? So I do think like Jared Goff should be able to move the ball. Like, that's what he's been doing this year, is sort of dink and dunk. But the Eagles are bad enough that they might just allow that to happen. Um, um, I, I would say there there is a talent gap, but there's a talent gap every week the Lions, and they keep covering spreads. So I don't know. It's it's, it's a tricky one for me. I, I really didn't have an angle because these two teams are both they they're both not really matching what we would expect from their talent. Like the Lions keep covering without talent, the Eagles keep failing to cover with talent. So uh, I, I don't really know. <laughs> A total sitting at 48 in this one, which a lot of people probably look at and scratch their head too, maybe because again, some teams that have really been underperforming uh, in certain aspects of the game. Steven, you do have a play on this one. You seem to be against our line of thought here. You are on the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't disagree with anything you've said, though. I just think they're playing the Detroit Lions this week. I mean, this is if we're if we listen to the coaches in their press conference, we have a battle of the fertilizing flowers against the knocking kneecaps this week. So here we go. I think uh, I I think everything you said about the offense is 100 percent correct. And I look at Nick Sirianni and I see Ted Lasso in season one master motivator. speech guy who knows nothing about the game and can't scheme his team to anything and is on the path to relegation. So sorry, spoiler alert, but you should have seen last season <laughs> one if you haven't already. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, they have the pieces. They can't put the puzzle together. So, but I also think this week, the only argument in betting the lions is narrative based because the stats don't back it up, especially with the lions having lost so many important pieces at this point to injury on both sides of the ball. So let's take a look at the Eagles offense over the last three games when it has been at its absolute worst this season, 25th in EPA, 25th in drop back EPA. So the Jalen hurts has been bad still fourth in rushing success rate. So the passing stats a little better when you look at them for the season overall. And they're playing a Lions defense this week that is 29th in EPA, dead last in drop back EPA, eighth in in success rate against the run. So some of these numbers were when the Lions D had good players, by the way. It's worse now. Like if you look at 
what their roster is now, it's it's actually worse than what their overall season numbers are. So, and when the Lions have the ball, it's also very bad. 28th in EPA against the 22nd ranked EPA defense, 27th in dropback EPA against the number 20 drop uh, drop back EPA defense. So, you know, perhaps there is a human element here where the Eagles are going to quit on Nick Sirianni and it's all going to fall apart at some point. There's already rumors that at some point Gardner Minshew might start playing quarterback at some point. I was just about season. to bring that up. The, the, the beat writer for the athletic Bo Wolf uh, wrote a whole article over there about saying that, that Gardner Minshew could end up starting games sooner as opposed to, to later even. So, right. you know, I, again, I'm sure Jalen Hurts hears that stuff, and I'm sure, you know, whatever. I mean, it, I don't think it's necessarily Jalen Hurts' fault, Stephen, if we're being honest with you. I mean, I just think that they have not – they have not put him in a position to succeed, right? Like he's a dual threat quarterback that they run absolutely no plays catered to a dual threat quarterback. It makes you wonder if they wouldn't have more success if Gardner Minshew was playing quarterback because it seems like they've designed this offense more for a guy like him than a guy like Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so again, I won't I won't eliminate in the range of outcomes that the Lions continue to play really hard and pull mm-hmm. out all the stops and, and pull out a, a, a cover here, maybe even a win. But I think that that range of outcomes is small still against this Eagles team, especially with all the injuries. So just based numerically, I have to bet the Eagles at minus three this week. I'd still bet them at minus three and a half and just hope this isn't the week that they completely implode. So that's kind of where I'm at with this one. Think we're oppo on this one again. Not in my account as we sit quite yet. Um, trying to dig in a little bit further into uh, seeing if I can get any you know scheme changes that maybe are coming from the Eagles, anything like that that maybe would give me a reason to not want to bet the Lions. But you know, listen, we're we're looking at a quarterback here who's 29th in adjusted completion rate on the season. He's only 7.1 yards per attempt, which is down at 22nd in the league and he's 31st under pressure. Now he shouldn't get a ton of pressure from Detroit, but um, you know, if they're able to figure something out and get some pressure on him, he's 31st in the league whenever he's facing pressure as well. So I think there is just a lot. I think there's enough here where if I'm getting more than a field goal does lean me towards the lions. I got to share one more. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sorry. I got to share one more, just unbelievably awful stat for this Eagles defense. One of their beat writers, Ruben Frank, tweeted this week that in the first 1,285 games in franchise history, they allowed eight quarterbacks to complete 80% of their passes. In the Eagles' last five games, they've allowed four quarterbacks to complete 80% of their passes. I mean, it's bad on both sides of the ball. I'm just praying that it's the Detroit Lions this week and they're not that bad. San Francisco 49ers on the road at the Chicago Bears. 49ers, three and a half to four point favorites over the Chicago Bears. A total of 39 and a half, a sub 40 total in today's NFL. Uh, Steven, you know my position on the 49ers. We did preseason pods. We've done pods through seven weeks of the season. 
I've been low on the 49ers since before the season started. I'm continuing to be low on the 49ers through the first seven weeks of the season. I think that this is, uh, I think Kyle Shanahan is a fraud. I think that Kyle Shanahan is uh, not doing this team any favors whatsoever. And this offensive genius, again, in air quotes, that everyone talks about uh, has certainly not shown that at all so far. If you look this past week, guys, I mean, I understand, again, yes, there was a little bit of a little bit of weather conditions out there, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. If at one point in the game, Stephen, Debo Samuel had 12 targets and no other wide receiver had more than two. Only one had two. Every other wide receiver only had one target. And the guy that had in in the guy that had the the two targets who I don't even know who he is. I had to Google who he was. I didn't even know who he was. The guy that had the two targets for the 49ers. So it's just, it's, I think it's a poorly designed offense right now. I think it's a poorly run offense. I don't think they have much of a choice with how limited they are with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback as it is anyway. So uh, there's, there's that going up against you in all this. And then frankly, the defense has been just okay. They've not been bad. Don't give me, that's not what I'm saying at all, but you know, as a unit that we thought was going to be, especially from a, a getting pressure on the quarterback standpoint, uh, they're down at 25th in the league in pressure rate. They just have not been able to get to to the quarterback really at all. And so, you know, there's uh, there's some reasons here for me to continue to be down. But you know what remedies all play in the Chicago Bears? That is for sure. So I understand why they are the favorite to where they are in this one. I'm going to sit back and watch this game. I'm not going to have a play on it. Steven, are you looking at either side here, 49ers and Bears? I did bet this earlier in the week at San Francisco minus three, minus 115 on the price. I would still bet it at three and a half. I agree. I'm a 49ers fan. I agree with everything you've said. And you're spot on, but I have a similar handicap to this game as I did the Eagles against the Lions. The simple bottom line is they're playing the Chicago Bears, and I still think the 49ers, despite the disappointing season, are still at least a middle of the road NFL team, despite them treating Debo Samuel like he's Devontae Adams now with uh, with George Kittle not in the lineup. So I think it's a good buy low spot for the Niners. I got it at a half a point less than the look ahead line. You could still get it at the at the look ahead line, I think I, we're starting to see this tick up more towards minus four, but I don't think I can take any strong opinions away from a loss in a monsoon game last week. I mean, they had four turnovers in that game. They didn't handle the weather well, and they still outgained the Colts on a yards per play basis. So there at least was that. And they're playing a Chicago offense now that's 30th in EPA, dead last and 30th in drop back EPA and success rate. Um, respectively, 29th in weighted DVOA. They're dead last in adjusted sack rate. And they're playing a 49ers defense that's basically middle of the pack there. So, I mean, they haven't shown any sign of life on offense. And the San Francisco offense, if you take out the monsoon game, they're still an above average EPA and success rate offense. And the Chicago defense is still below average through uh, the last four weeks, both in the passing game and against the run. So this is a, a Niners offense that doesn't have many options, but they are still moving the ball and they're playing a pathetic team this week. So I laid the field goal. Yeah, I, I mean, Bears, Brad, when we take a look at this team, I mean, it, there's really nothing to like 
at all, really, with this team. I mean, there are rumors that Khalil Mack is going to miss this game as well, and he might even be headed towards IR because he might need three weeks to to uh, to get back together, you know, with whatever's going on with his uh, foot injury that he's dealing with. And actually, this this morning they've gone ahead and rule him rule him out. So uh, Khalil Mack is is out for this game as we as we move into the week. Uh, Allen Robinson been dealing with an injury that he apparently has not been able to shake for several, several weeks now. And then a stat came out this past week. You probably saw it as well. Justin Fields has not been doing himself any favors either. Now, listen, we can always point to Matt Nagy and him not being creative and and not d- designing an offense that is suitable to a rookie quarterback. And all that is true. But if you look at time to throw but given to a quarterback by his offensive line to sacks taken rate, Justin Fields is like massively ahead of everyone else out there. The guy just has no pocket presence right now, doesn't know when to get rid of the ball, is holding the ball too long, is not, I don't know if he's, uh, you know, just not making quick decisions or, or not deciding to run, whatever it might be, but he is taking way, way, way too many sacks considering the amount of time that he's afforded to uh to throw the ball as well so as as low as i am on the 49ers there's just no way in hell i can back the chicago team in its current form no and it's the same it's the same handicap as the bears game last week right it's field field holds onto the ball too long the offensive line isn't very good and they're facing a good pass rush right niners are Mm. seventh in in pass rush win rate um so it's, I, I just think it's the same handicap. He's going to hold on to the ball for three seconds. He's going to get sacked and they're going to score three or 10 points again. Um, then the other side of the ball, you know, I, I, I do think it is a decent buy low spot on the Niners. You know, that they had a 32% success rate in that monsoon last week. Um, they're going to be better than that, especially with Khalil Mack out because, you know, Akeem Hicks still banged up on the defensive line and it starts to get starts to get quite talent poor. You know, I'm, I'm sure it'd still be a middle of the pack defense, but um, if your offense is scoring 10 points, um, I, I quite like the Niners to uh, to cover three and a half or four on the road here. Yeah, it's crazy to think, right? That, that that's like where we're at after how bad the Niners have looked, but we're like, oh yeah, I mean, against the against the Bears though. Yeah, we <laughs> got to back them. Yeah. The have-nots, <laughs> Matt. The have-nots and the Bears are part of that. It is the haves and the have-nots. Rams at the Texans. Speaking of the have-nots, uh, Rams at the Texans. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time here. Rams are two and a half. Uh, you know, are, are two touchdown favorites. Fourteen and a half as we sit right now. Uh, Forty-seven and a half. Forty-eight. The Texans. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, they've scored five, three, and zero points in three of their last four games. Uh, I mean, that's that's the state of this offense. They could get Gerard Taylor back. I don't know if it's going to make that big of a difference when you consider they're basically shipping everybody that has any sort of talent out. Whitley, Whitney Merciless is gone. Didn't they trade away Mark Ingram? Like they're 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 just trying they're they're trying to punt without punting on the season here. Brad, I'll I'll start with you. No no look, I have no opinion on this game. I don't want to lay two, uh, over two touchdowns really with the Rams on the road, but no way in hell am I backing the Texans either in a team that, like I said. Five, three, and zero points in three of their last four games. Yeah, well, that has been on the road where they've failed entirely. They've only played two home games this year, as far as I can see, um, and they put up 22 on the Patriots, and then obviously they beat the Jags in the opening game of the season. Uh, and then while Tyrod was back, they also covered at Cleveland 31-21. So I, I do think this is kind of their spot, right? They've, they've, they should have the good quarterback by the sounds of it. Um 
and they have played better at home this year and they, they have been on the road in tough spots a lot. So if you're ever going to bat the Texans, it would be this spot. Um, but yeah, like I, I've lost too much money betting on bad teams this year. Um, and I, you know, I, I just don't want to do it. So <laughs> I, I stayed away. Stephen, uh, you know, again, if, if, if Trod's back, maybe that gives you a little bit to want to take, you know, if you're getting 14 and a hook, you're getting two touchdowns and a hook. Maybe that would want to lead you in that direction. Um, I know you are the guy that, that, that does like to back these bad teams. I don't know if you're doing it again <laughs> this week. I don't know if you're doing it again this week, but uh, what do you feel about Rams and Texans? <laughs> I've done it a couple times and like Brad, I've lost money on it. So I'm getting kind of <laughs> tired of doing it. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame I, you. Yeah, I do agree. Terod Taylor is a totally different handicap than what Davis Mills has been. And I think, you know, potentially we were a week early in the buy low spot. I remember last week on the pod, we were debating whether or not. Arizona being as big of favorites as the undefeated Patriots team from 2007. Well, it turns out the correct answer was the 2021 Texans with Davis Mills are as bad as the undefeated Patriots were good. Like that was the correct answer. They're just a train wreck. So I, I'm not interested in doing it, but I, it, if it would be dog or pass here for me, if you had a gun to my head and made me pick a side with, with Taylor back, I would you know, go dog if I absolutely had to bet this game. But this is the United States of America, and I do not have to bet this game, and I won't. And the only uh, bet that I would look at in this situation is I'm actually eyeing one or two Cooper Cup futures at this point. He He is the favorite, but I still think there's value in him at plus 400 for most receptions. I think maybe plus 550 for most receiving yards is the better bet. Um, through for for receiving yards, he leads the league with 115 yards per game. That's at least 24 yards per game better than all but three players in the league. So that's a significant margin. He's doing it through volume, not efficiency, which I think is sustainable for the rest of the year. He leads the league in targets. He's getting 11 plus targets per game. And to me, the biggest key why this is a buy point at this point is because it coincides with Devontae Adams missing this week. So he's going to be able to increase his margin over Devontae Adams, which currently sits at 65 yards. Whatever he gets is going to be a bonus this week. He could be 165 yards, 200 yards ahead of Devontae Adams after this week. And the only other two guys that are averaging more than 100 yards per game, Debo Samuel, who's going to get George Kittle back at some point and hurt his volume, and Jamar Chase, who's doing it on efficiency, not volume. He's averaging 4.2 fewer targets per game than Cup, and he's going to need to stay hyper-efficient, and I think 21-plus yards per reception is unsustainable for the rest of the year. So uh, I think Cooper Cup at plus 550, despite being the favorite, is a pretty good bet at this point to lead the league in receiving yards. Listen, I'm I, I've if you're going to tell me that there's an angle to this game, and even if it's just an angle in a futures market, that's good because we we gave some real content as opposed yeah, to like, you go. yeah, this game sucks. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you know, this game sucks. <laughs> you know, at least at least we do have an angle to talk about uh, with a game like this because boy, yeah, not 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 the best. Jaguars at the Seahawks. Um, talking about not the best. Let's see here. Seahawks <laughs> three point. Three point home favorites over the Jags, a 43 and a half point total here. So uh, enroll the Jags uh, off of bye if you want to say that maybe that helped this team. 
uh, Seattle with one of the worst offensive performances I, I've seen in a long, long time. You take away that 84-yard touchdown pass to, D, uh, to DK Metcalf in that Saints game, and holy hell was the Seattle offense just brutal to watch. It was disgusting to have to watch that um, to have to watch that go down. Uh, I have no thoughts here, Brad. I mean, I again. In a game where two horrible teams are playing, if you're going to give me the points with one team, I think I would at least lean towards taking the points with the Jaguars, as crazy as that may sound. But uh, no, I don't have anything in the count as we speak right now. No, no, it's another garbage game. Um, you, it is, it is the better quarterback <laughs> getting points. And you, you would say that the Seahawks without Russell Wilson are... I think on a par with Jacksonville, right? Like the rest of the roster is terrible, really. Like they've got maybe one good player on the defensive side. Even Bobby Wagner's playing worse this year. Offensively, there's, yeah. <laughs> they've got two good receivers and the, the, an unwillingness to throw to them, right? You, you can get by, I think you can get by with Geno Smith if you throw on early downs, you run play action and, and do all that stuff. But it's run, run, pass, right? Russell Wilson can yeah, bail you Pete out. Carroll has, uh, yeah, the game's passed him by. Yeah, the, yeah. the game's just passed him by. There was, there was, there was a stretch, Brad. He ran on nine consecutive plays like this like, this past week. I mean, like in the NFL, yeah. he ran on nine consecutive plays into the strength of like the Saints stop the run. That's what they do. Um, yeah. And he, he admitted himself, he was like, if Russell Wilson wasn't here, I'd be gone. And it, it's true, right? Ru- Russell Wilson is is so good it that is. He's, he's kept this guy employed, and he shouldn't be employed because he's a garbage coach um now trevor lawrence we we like trevor lawrence um i think he's he's, he's good he's much better than uh, gino smith so uh, maybe a, maybe a jacksonville team total would be a way to look at this because the seahawks pass defense is still trash when it's when it's not protected by the wind and the rain like it was last week um where we've got seahawks defense dvoa 25th pass defense dvoa um so i, I do believe lawrence can take advantage of that so that might be one way to look at this yeah, I, I, I'm Stephen. I don't know what you think about this one. Um, you know, again, if I was, if I was playing it, I would. I'd be back in the Jaguars. What say you? Brad hit it right on the head. That's exactly the bet I made this week. I debated taking the Jags in the points, but I think Jags team total over was the angle mm-hmm. I felt more comfortable in because now I'm not banking on the the terrible Jaguars defense to do something, and which still could you know, lead to somehow Seattle covering even with Geno Smith. So I just don't want to bet to back the Jaguars defense. So I, I'll do team total over 20, which I think is kind of a, a very low number to ask for here. Jacksonville um, is number one in the NFL in pace. They are number one in the NFL in second half pace. And historic. if you look at recent years, 20 points would currently rank 24th in the NFL on a per game basis and 20 points per game was 28th last year. So very low bar. We're asking Trevor Lawrence to clear here this week against a bad Seattle defense. And if you look at the Jags offense, their first three games, they were awful. He was figuring it out. He was 30th and 28th and drop back EPA and success rate. The last three games, he's 17th and 10th in drop back EPA and success rate. So the lights start to come on here a little bit for Trevor Lawrence, I think. And we're still getting a very low number here that we need to clear for the team total against a suspect defense. So over 20 for me for the Jags. 
We're all in the same mindset here. It's just really tough to back the Seattle team in any fashion right now and certainly as as favorites in any sort of game because of the way that they call this offense and and the way that they underutilize everything and again is still still dealing with a pretty bad defense. Uh, we are all of the like mind here. It's it's Jags, Jags team total or a pass. New England Patriots on the road at the L.A. Chargers. We are looking at four and a half or five. There's one six that has popped as well in favor of the Chargers. We're looking at 49, 49 and a half on this one. Steven, you have a bet in your account. You like a side here. Who are you backing in Patriots and Chargers? Matt, I took a week off, but I'm back to betting the board, baby. Here we go. I got New New England plus five and a half for me when the Patriots have the ball. Love it, baby. Let's 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 Mm. fucking go, baby. Let's Mm. make some bets this week. (laughs) PF, if you look at the uh, offensive line for the Patriots against the Chargers front, PFF has this as the biggest mismatch yet this season. In the trenches, the the Pats have four offensive linemen graded in the top 15 at their position. Uh, the New England offense, 10th in rush success rate. Chargers dead last defensively in that category. New England, 15th in rush EPA. Chargers dead last in that category. Mac Jones, first three weeks, 27th in drop back EPA and success rate. Last four weeks, 10th and 6th. Talk about Trevor Lawrence figuring it out. Mac Jones has figured it out. Mm-hmm. And a slight edge to the Chargers in terms of weighted DVOA when they have the ball. But it's not substantial. The Chargers offense, 11th. New England defense, 14th in weighted DVOA. And the New England offense, slight edge in weighted DVOA, 14th versus 16th for the Chargers D. So add all that together for me, and I think five and a half points is too much. So I'll take the dog to cover those points. Steven, it's a, I mean, uh, Brad, it's a pretty interesting game uh, when you look. I mean, do you believe that the Chargers coming off of a bye here, did they figure something out? They looked really bad in the game before the bye, got exposed, I think, in a couple of different aspects. But, um, you know, the New England, and then New England goes out and runs up the score on the Jets, which I thought was fairly interesting as well. Like, I mean, there was like guard, like they were getting, they got like two garbage time touchdowns, where they like padding Mac Jones, stats or something. Like, I don't even know what was going on. Belichick just decided to get froggy and he was like, yeah, we're going to beat the hell out of the Jets. Like it's going to, it's going to happen. Um, look, I, I think that the chargers are, I'm not going to say overrated. I do not think that's a good word. I still think that they're probably one of the top 10 teams in the NFL. I've seen I've seen them ranked as high as three or four in some people's power rankings. And for me, I think that's just a little bit wackadoodle. I think that's a little bit too high here. When you look at what this defense has done over the course of the year, they're just a middling defense, if not a bottom half defense. If you look on the offensive side of the ball, there's been some inconsistencies along the way as well. Uh, Offensive line hasn't really played all that well for this team either. So I'm not ready to crown the Chargers kind of like the next up and coming team here quite yet. I do think that they're on their way up. I think next year Mike could be special if they added uh, another piece or two somewhere along the defensive side of the ball. But uh, what do you think here with a spread that, like I said, at one book, MGM has touched all has touched six now. Yeah. So the key, the key stat, one of my favorite stats, one of my favorite ways to bet is defensive strength of schedule, right? I want to bet against the the defenses that look good because they face easy schedules and and vice versa. So we've got the Chargers Mm -hmm. with the second hardest 
defensive strength of schedule and I've got the New England defense with the very easiest strength of schedule. Um, and, you know, mm. part of that's facing the Jets twice. Um, you know, they, they, they've smashed them both sides of the ball. <laughs> I think if you take the Jets, like New England's point differential is, is plus 20 or so, you take the Jets out, they're minus 30, right? There's a, they, when, they, when they face good teams, uh, they've been beat. Yeah. And I think the Chargers are a good team. Um, you know, but before the bye, Brandon Staley was saying, right, this is a chance for us to scout us. Um, you know, they, they were bad on early downs uh, for whatever reason. The, they were they were bad against the run, um, and I, I, I do kind of trust him enough that they're going to find ways around that. They definitely get healthier as most teams do off the bye. Drew Tranquil, the linebacker, will be back. A um, couple of defensive linemen will be back. Mike Williams should be healthier. Like I think that was the reason they got shut down against the Ravens. Right, it, it, the offense is is Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen, and if if one of them is hurt mm. or banged up, suddenly you, you don't have a lot of depth, um, and that that really showed. But so yeah, they're, they're healthier here, and I think, as I say, this this New England defense is not as good as it's looked, and I think the Chargers should move the ball. Um, so I'm not involved yet, but that that would be the way I would play a Chargers team total. Well, shit, yeah, Brad. Now I'm nervous as hell, man. Forty nine, forty nine on the total. On this one, I actually had a little bit of a lean towards the over here, just the overall over. I think that the Patriots will be able to score at least a little bit on the Chargers. I think the Chargers should be able to come out and and have a pretty good offensive day as well. So lean there for me as well, and then lean towards uh, the Chargers side, but haven't gotten there quite yet. There's a four and a half that's still available out there that is, is lingering and it's teasing me as we sit right now, but be sure and shop around because there's everything from there's everything from four and a half to a six out there right now in this game. Bucks on the road at the Saints. Saints coming off a putrid, putrid offensive performance against the Seattle Seahawks. It was just a little less putrid in the kicking game, and so they were able to win a by a field goal. Uh, the Bucks coming off of a uh, off by where they're going to looks like maybe still be without. Uh, I mean, uh, coming off a game where they're going to be. St- still be without Antonio Brown. It looks like in this one uh, last that I keep reading Bruce Arians is so great when he's describing injuries. He's like, it's an ankle injury, but it's at his heel. And uh, like, whatever, it's like, all right. So what are you saying? Is that a heel injury or is that an ankle injury? Like what, what, no, what are we talking about? Injury. Yeah, it makes it's a, a foot, foot injury, injury. Right? yes, that's going on <laughs> with, with them. So it doesn't look like uh, he is going to, to, to go so it, it's it, it was almost leaning towards like maybe it was more of a longer term type injury I don't know if this is good or not but Richard Sherman was back at practice on Wednesday for the for the Bucks I don't know if him being out there is a good thing but it was uh and of course they got um they got Jason Pierre Paul back on the field last week as well did the Bucks so getting healthier outside of the Antonio Brown thing but if there is a team in the NFL that could withstand not having Antonio Brown out there would certainly be the Bucks. And oh, by the way, uh, Gronk looks like he is on track to play this week as well. So getting another uh, piece back into the fold here. Brad, when we take a look here, uh, five and a half against this, it seems short to me. I understand it's on the road. I understand it's the Superdome. I understand if we believe that home field advantage still exists anywhere, that maybe the Superdome would be one of those places. It is a dome. It does get loud. It is going to have a bunch of drunk Louisiana Cajuns in there and all that. So there's going to be, there's going to be that going on. But 
listen, the Saints offense just it hasn't been good all year. I mean, it just it hasn't been good all year. Jameis is what Jameis is. He's 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 fine this year. He's serviceable. He's not making those flamous Jameis turnovers and those type of plays. But they're also not pushing the ball down the field. They don't have any weapons to go along with that. And so outside of Camara. That's really all they got, and the Bucks really have some linebackers that might actually be able to to give Kamara some trouble. So I don't know. Five and a half seems short to me. Talk me in or out of it. Um, yeah, I don't think the Saints are going to move the ball, right? So I mean, they they got healthy on the offensive line. They pass protect well. They can normally run the ball, um, but against against the Bucks, I think they probably still struggle to run the ball. Everyone struggles to run the ball because they've just got those two monsters in the middle of the defensive line, and they've got no one that's going to get open, as you say, like. The linebackers are as quick as as quick a linebackers as you'll find in the NFL. They should they should be all over Camara. And there is what Callaway is going to get open downfield. Like not really. It's not really happened all right. season long. So I, I I really see the Saints struggling to move the ball that effectively. Um, other side of the ball, yeah, I don't really know. Like Gronk getting back is good, but there's there's quite a few charts floating around where. You can see the difference that Antonio Brown makes on that offense. It takes them from mm-hmm. good to Super Bowl to unstoppable because like who who has the defensive backs to cover Gronk, A B, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, but nobody does it. So I, I think they are containable this weekend. So I would say probably the look for me would be under fifty. I'm looking at minus one thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, that would probably be the way I play it with, with two teams that are, do know each other very well as well, um, and two very good defenses. Yeah, there's a couple of 50 and a halfs out there available as well. So if you do like Brad's play, be sure again, shop around. Uh, MGM right now sitting at 50 and a half. DraftKings sitting at 50 and a half as well. So uh, be sure and take advantage of that. Steven, uh, you know, Antonio Brown is certainly, certainly a very, very good player for for the Bucks. I'm just don't I just don't know if they're going to need it because I don't know if they're going to have to score that many points to win this game against the saints. Like it's just, this offense is so one dimensional. It's like Camara and that's it, you know, outside of Camara, they haven't been able to do anything at all. And so does that change in the course of a short week? I, I don't see it changing over the course of a short week. And if you look at the last couple of games that these two teams have played against each other, obviously different with when Drew Brees is a quarterback, but they contained Kamara in the passing game fairly effectively. It's like they don't typically do well in that area. Uh, I think Levante David, Brett Gibbons, our, our writer at the lines, noted that he's giving up uh, about, I think, 27 receptions on 30 targets or something like that. It's he's he's not a good coverage linebacker, but but when they know that Kamara is the main weapon and they prepare for it and scheme against it, the last couple of times they've played him, they've contained him in the passing game. So I do agree that it might be difficult for the saints to move the ball in this matchup. I'm just not sure if I want to lay this many points on the road team. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think that the market is correct. And I think that this line moving from four now up to five and a half, maybe even the six is you know, I can't argue against it. So it's a pass for me, but it would be bucks or nothing. Yeah, definitely bucks side or nothing for me. And I do like Brad's underlook here again, 50 and a half is available out there. I mean, even if the bucks put up 27 in this 31 in this, I I'm not incredibly confident the saints put up more than 17. So you're, you're still winning, right? If you're taking the under 50 and a half. So in a, in a look like that. So uh, I, I definitely like that one in bucks versus saints.
Washington football team at the Denver Broncos. This game is the stink. Uh, Three-point favorites are the Broncos. 44.5 is your total. Broncos get back Jerry Judy this week, but it's a banged-up Teddy Bridgewater. He looked like he was just hobbling around on the field out there. Washington football team continues to baffle with just how bad they can play as well. So a here's the thing, guys. If I bet this game, I have to watch it. And so I'm not betting it because I don't <laughs> want to have to watch this. So uh, this is just a complete and utter pass for me. Um, uh, Steven, any thoughts on this one at all? Even I'm not betting this one. I mean, yeah. this, is, this is rough. <laughs> this is not fun. So um, I'll just echo what Brad has been saying for weeks now. Taylor Heineke is is not great. And even when he has a wide open lane to the end zone, he apparently still can't get into the end zone. If you saw that last week, that was pretty friggin' hilarious. So, um, yeah, no real interest here for me. The Broncos can't seem to figure it out as well on offense. There's constant weekly calls now and and speculation whether or not Drew Locke should take over, which is just hilarious because it's like magically everybody thinks Drew Locke's going to be any better than he was before. But, you know, yeah, do what you want with this game. I have zero interest. This is a tough one. Brad, you know, it'd be maybe there'd be some analysis here if 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 I was a little bit more certain at the at the quarterback position and who was and wasn't going to play for the Broncos. I mean, uh, Von Miller didn't practice on on Wednesday again, he kind of tweaked to that ankle, uh, you know, that he uh, from a while back, and it's just been bothering him uh, ever since. Getting Judy back is great, I guess, but uh, if, if Teddy Bridgewater is hurt and you know at playing at seventy percent or whatever he said he was at seventy five percent, he said he was at, um, you know, that's not good either. So I, it's just very hard for me to get a read on this game up and down. And if we look at the Washington side of things, I mean, again, another a defense that we thought was going to be one of the better defenses in the entire league as we entered this season, and I don't think I, I mean just a swing and a miss on everybody's part. I mean, as we sit. Heading into week eight, 28th overall defense DVOA. They're 29th against the pass. Pro football focus says they're 31st against the pass. You know, I mean, they they can't do anything there. So if Teddy Bridgewater is a little bit better this week and he now he's getting back Jerry Judy to go along with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant and all that, you, you do see a definite mismatch from that aspect, but a little bit, a little bit too premature, I think, for me to, to want to pull the trigger on the Broncos. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe the over is the look. They were missing William Jackson last week, the the football team's defense, um, and they're running out some some shoddy corners. Uh, so, you know that that could be a way forward, um, especially if Von Miller misses. So the, the Broncos, they're quite interesting. They're twenty seventh in a pass rush win rate, um, and going up against a, a football team offensive line that's good when healthy. Um, now again, they they they've had tackles and offensive linemen on the injury report as well. So you're, you're going to have to monitor that if you want to bet this game because there's a lot of quite key players. Um, so yeah, I can't give too much insight yet. I'm afraid. All right, let's move on to a game that we actually care about here, and that's the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. This is a super intriguing, super fun game. Here, as we sit right now, you can find you can find numbers all over the board. There's everything from one to two and a half right now in favor of the Dallas Cowboys. Total of 55 in this one. 
Minnesota Vikings at home do get at least a little bit of a home field advantage. Again, we talk about these. There are a few stadiums that do have a little bit of a home field advantage. Minnesota gets that place pretty loud. This is a primetime game, so those guys will have a chance to uh, be a little bit more lubricated as they're uh, as they're in the stadium there. So I'm sure they'll be screaming and, and could cause at least a little bit of havoc for the offense trying to make any, you know, any changes at the offensive line and things like that for the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, the real question here, guys, is I took the Cowboys at a point and a half. So I have the Cowboys in the account minus a point and a half. But they kind of sold me a false bill of goods because last week they were like, ah, it's fine. Nothing. There's nothing with Dak. It's not a big deal. Don't don't worry about that. He is. He, he's going to be perfectly fine. And then he shows up on Monday and he's still in a friggin' walking boot. And I'm like, okay, you, you sold me a false bill of goods here coming out of a buy that your quarterback is going to be per- perfectly fine. And, um, you know, that seems to not be the case. McCarthy said that Prescott on Wednesday participated in individual drills is what they're calling it. And that's about it. So, yeah, that is um, that's interesting. They are going to get Lyle Collins back from his suspension. So that's good. They could activate Michael Gallup if they wanted to, they've taken him off of IR, but he's got that 21 day window to get put back on the, on the active roster. So that would certainly be a a, a big boost to an already awesome offense to get Lyle Collins and to get Michael Gallup back in there. But Brad, we don't know who's, I mean, we don't know for sure that it's going to be Dak Prescott playing quarterback. Uh, no, we don't. I, I did the same as you when that line came out. Thought, hmm, mm. why, why are Cowboys only laying one, one and a half here? Um, mm. Bet them now. It's 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 not really moved, does it? This this market is still sitting minus one fifty five. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm I'm thinking the market <laughs> thinks he's going to play. He, he Dak was joking about it when he first came out with that boot on after after the last game. He was going, "I'll give you all, all you reporters something to talk about." So mm-hmm. he, he didn't seem like it was that serious then. So I don't know. I, I think we just assume he's going to play. Um, and if so, I, I, I don't see how the Vikings stop them here. Right? The, the Cowboys are already third in defense offensive DVOA first in PFF offensive grade and now as you say adding two kind of top tier <laughs> two more top tier talents um, and they're going up against so if they want to run the ball Minnesota's rush defense 24th in DVOA if they want to pass the ball Minnesota 25th in pass rush win rate so so they're not getting to, to Dak here um, so I can just see him going up and down the field, um, and mm. that kind of that kind of puts the pressure on Kirk and the gang to keep up. Um, and Minnesota, they're they're twenty seventh in early down success rate offensively. So I don't know. There, there's, there's some there's some questions here, and especially again in pass protection as well. If they're forced to drop back um, time and again, nineteenth in pass block win rate. So you know they they could could get some pressure on uh, Kirk here. Yeah, I um listen, it's going to be one of two two ways for me here, Stephen. If the injury report, the final injury report comes out on Friday and Dak Prescott's not even listed on it, then I love my one and a half that I have in my account. Like then it's like the best bet I feel like I've made of all of, of the season. Now, if he's listed as questionable and there's stuff coming out that he's actually truly questionable, then I hate the hell out of it. And it's going to be, you know, so I'm going to have mixed emotions come Friday when the final injury report does finally hit for for this game. But, you know, look, if Dak Prescott's going to play and that's all that's the indication that they've given me and I've only got to lay a point and a half against this Minnesota defense that again is has not 
one has not been good anyway, but certainly has not has not been good against a team like that. What the Cowboys are bringing to town here with the multiple sets here, the multiple ways that they're going to be able to go. If you kind of look, the early down success is their uh, Minnesota defense is kind of middle of the pack. Now you have one of the uh, you have the the best early down success rate team in the entire NFL coming into town. There's also uh, some issues here from the from the rush defense side of things on the Minnesota side and we know it's a two-headed monster for Dallas as well so if you can go back to back with Zeke and Tony Pollard uh, a few different times and then of course what they can do through the air I think it's going to be too much for Minnesota to be able to keep up I expect them to score some points I think I respect this Minnesota offense for sure I don't think it's bad I think that they're I think they're pretty good actually I think Kirk has been playing pretty well throughout the course of the season too but I just I just don't think that they're in I just don't think that they have what it takes to keep up with Dallas I bet this line early in the week at Dallas minus two and a half and it's gone the wrong way like you guys mentioned I like there's a juiced minus one out there which implies on a neutral field that the Vikings would actually be rated even or a slight favorite against the Cowboys Mm -hmm. which is just ludicrous Unless there's something wrong with Dak Prescott. And I've been trying to figure this out and diagnose it. This is a Sunday game, which means you're supposed to have an injury report on Wednesday and an injury report on Thursday and Friday. He was limited on Wednesday and I searched the internet high and low. I can't find a Thursday update on Dak Prescott. Mm. Their official team site did not post an update on Thursday to their injury report, which is a league rule. I worked for an NFL team. It is mandated that they update their injury report on their team website each day, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for a Sunday game. So, so it's strange. So I'm wondering it, if this- it's still early. It's only nine 30 in the morning over there. They've got, they've got time. Yeah, that's, got that's time. fair. That's fair. I guess you're right there, but I mean, it's, it's a weird situation, right? It's, it's, the only way you can justify this line move to where it's gone at some spots is if there is legitimate concern with Dak Prescott. Otherwise, everything you said, there's major mismatches in this game. And specifically, Kellen Moore has shown game plan specific situations each week. He doesn't just come out with the same plan no matter the opponent. He tailors it to with the defense that they're facing and the huge mismatch I see is in the running game, which should help if Dak is a little banged up top 10 in both rush EPA and success rate against the Vikings defense. That's 29th and 21st in those situations. And when Minnesota has the ball, they are at a disadvantage in all of these EPA success rate and DVOA statistics with the one exception of a slight edge in drop back success rate. They are slightly ranked higher than the Cowboys defense in that category, but I am not in the business of betting on Mike Zimmer to abandon the run and do what he's supposed to do in this game. So if you're as long, this is a a huge caveat, obviously, with Dak Prescott. If he's good, if he's going to play, I think we start seeing this line balloon the other way a little bit closer to the three. If he's playing, I don't care that the Cowboys have covered every spread this year. That's a narrative-based handicap if you're going to say, well, I'm going to bet on the Vikings because at some point the Cowboys aren't going to cover a spread. That's that's a stupid way to handicap a game. Obviously, it's going to happen at some point, but if we're looking at the numbers and the analytics here, less than a field goal is a good bet for me for the Cowboys, and it's public as hell, but I don't give a damn this week. 
as long as Prescott uh, yeah, is healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if, if if you're if you're a gambler and you want to roll the dice that, that Dak's going to play and that he's healthy, I would like I said, I would recommend getting in now on it. And because it is it's only going to go. It's going to be one way traffic to to Dallas if um, if he is officially ruled in and healthy and all that stuff. And there's no worries about Dak whatsoever. So you'd want to get in now. You'd want to get in on the good side of of that. Um, we'll have a video for Monday night football, uh, the giants and the chiefs just real quick, uh, final thoughts, Brad, 10 point favorites are the, uh, are the, are the, are the, uh, Kansas city chiefs at home against the giants. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this real quick. If you can hear me. Um, I, I don't think the giants are going to get any pressure at all on Mahomes. like that. There's no real evidence to suggest this Casey offense is, is suddenly fallen off a cliff. They're still like second in points per drive, all this kind of thing. Um, and then this defense is ad, as advertised, right? 32nd in the NFL for Kansas City. And the, the way to stop the Giants is take advantage of that bad offensive line. Casey are not going to do that. Um, and it looks like the Giants are getting reinforcements like Kadarius, Tony, Saquon Barkley, um, Sterling Shepard. All, all, all these guys should be there. Um, so I can see the, see the Giants going up and down, up and down the field, point for point, matching them. Um, so I don't know why this isn't 54, 54 and a half. Yeah. I like the uh, I like I'm leaning towards an over there as well. Uh, Steven, uh, if we take a look here where we've got a, a Chiefs team that if there ever was a buy low, maybe this would be it. I don't really know. I think that it's still priced as if it's not a buy low spot. I mean, the way that we've what we've seen so far from this team, I think this is probably what we would have seen fairly, you know, re- regardless. The Giants have not been bad. The Giants have not been horrible. So. To, to think that this is some sort of bargain on the Chiefs sitting at nine, nine and a half, ten, wherever it might be. I just don't think that's the case. So uh, I, you're not going to catch me laying the points with the Chiefs this week. That's for damn sure. I'm not a big fan of laying double digit points with a team that has a historically bad defense and leads the league in turning the ball over on offense by a wide margin. And the only way you can lay this number is just blind faith that the Chiefs, this is the week that they figure it out and put it all together. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm there's too many range of outcomes for me, given those factors to want to lay 10 points. The Giants are getting back healthy here with some of their weapons, which should help. But this is a this is a sit and watch for me and, and see if the Chiefs can stop shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I have a you know, at 10, I can't help but have a lean to want to play the Giants here at, at 10, like getting the full 10 points in a game where I do believe the Giants specifically, if they get some of these injuries back and again, that this is a Monday night game. So we won't have the full injury report for, for a couple of days here, but you know, you get Saquon Barkley back, you get Tony back, you get Galladay back who was practicing by the way for them as well to go along with all this other stuff. Daniel Jones has not played horrible this year. He's actually played actually borderline good so far for this team. And you're going to try and tell me that out of nowhere, this Kansas city defense is magically going to, to, to be able to stop folks just in, in out of, out of one week. Like you're giving me double digits here, Steve. Like I'm getting yeah. 10 points. Now, I'm not saying the Giants are going to win the game. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm getting 10 points. I'm getting double digits in this one. I find it really hard for me not to want to pull the trigger on the Giants should, uh, uh, you know, the injury report that we get later in the day on Friday, because again, this is a Monday game. Like, should that injury report on Friday kind of not, not really scare me off all that much? I think I might find myself back in the Giants, actually. Can't blame you. 
Can't blame you one bit. I mean, hey, this is the Monday night game. So let's see uh, let's see how I do on Sunday. And if it goes pretty well, hey, let's uh, let's roll it over into a Giants cover here on Monday. So that's it. If yeah, you're still in Survivor, if you're still in Survivor, I yeah, think you have to play the in Chief. Survivor. I think you have to play the Chiefs this week, and and it's because they don't have a lot of future value, like yep. at all. And 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 you're going to say like, what are you talking about? Like, listen, these other options for you this week, there is solid future value in every single one of the other options this week, and I do not think there is solid future value in this Chief team. So you feel fairly comfortable. Let's say you feel fairly comfortable about playing them this week against the New York Giants. How about this? Green Bay, Vegas, Dallas. Now, Denver, it depends on the state of the Denver team and all that. But I mean, you know, again, you'd still have to make it that far because we, you know, we're not counting our chickens here in a survivor. So there is Denver, but then it's Vegas again, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Bengals, and then they close out the season week 18 against Denver. But you'd have to make it again to week 18 if you wanted to try to use them again. I'm like you, Steven. I mean, I think you, I think you, you, you hold your nose, you pray, whatever it is. I understand that you don't love what you've seen from the Chiefs so far, but I think this is the only way. If you're playing to win your survivor pool, I'll say that. If you're playing to win, I think this is the only way to go because the Rams, the the Cardinals, the Bengals, the whatever, the, all these teams have have much more future value than the Chiefs do. 100% agree. The Chiefs are my play in Survivor this week. I am nervous that they, the defense will keep the Giants in this game. Uh, but hey, I'm getting a 10 point favorite in Survivor. But I, I do, in terms of against the spread, it is Giants or pass for me at this point. I'm not going to blindly, I'm not going to continue to have blind faith mm. in the Chiefs at this point. Yeah, I think they've proven who they kind of are as a team right now. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't change. It's still half the season left to go. But uh, who they are sitting right now, heading into week eight, I think we have a decent idea of what this team is. And I should I should just say one last thing here. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to continue to have blind faith in the Chiefs as huge favorites, right? Right. Huge favorites is the key here. Now, you want to you want to give me some of these matchups down the line where they're maybe even a dog or a small favorite. We can have that discussion. But at this point, huge double digit favorites. I'm out. Guys, everything we talk about here, you can find over on thelines.com. There are game previews every single which way but loose. So be sure and go over there. Take in all of those. There's strategy articles. There's teaser articles. There's parlay articles. There's a whole bunch. There's an article even outlining all of the, the bonuses that are going to be available across the country this week as well. And there's every single week. If you live in one of those jurisdictions, God bless you. I have, I'm so envious that you are, that you get all these bonuses and all these things that are thrown your way in promos every single week. I get none of that stuff here in Vegas. So be sure and, and take in all that stuff over at the lines as well. If you are watching this on YouTube, please go ahead, subscribe to the channel and give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section, what's your best bet of the week? What, what bet do you hate? What's going on there? Do you have a player prop that you're particularly interested in? Uh, let us know about all that. And if you're on the uh, podcast side of things, of course, we appreciate you, you guys uh, subscribing and listening over there for Brad for Steven. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.